This is Cinema Spin. Hello, everybody. I am Matt. And I am Jason. And welcome to what may very well be the last episode of Cinema Spin. We'll really? find out in a little bit. <laughs> let's, really? let's, let's get really? right into this. Okay. Let's get into what? <laughs> yeah. Matt, do, I came in and you... Do your job. <laughs> do my job? Yeah, first movie. You got it. Oh. Oh, we're going to get... Oh, I thought you were getting right into whatever it is that's bothering you. Well, we are. And... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, our first movie this week uh, is uh, the new movie, Outwa- The Outwaters, uh, which is available streaming um, on the Roku channel, um, uh, uh, add-on to the Roku channel for horror movies, and it is a horror movie. This is a micro-budget found footage horror movie um, about a group of friends who go out into the Mojave Desert to film a music video and seem to do everything but film the video. Um, they encounter a group of pissed off donkeys, explore an abandoned mine, hear strange sounds in the night, and then really terrible things happen. Things I will not spoil here because I'm not sure what they are. <laughs> uh, the found footage aesthetic here keeps almost everything that's important off screen. Um, and the nature of the menace they are facing is kept intentionally surreal and mysterious, but to suffice, but suffice to say the group has disturbed some otherworldly something or other with their mediocre public domain music. And it is pissed off. I recommend if you watch this movie, you turn on the closed captioning. Um, it really transforms the experience. Um, Matt, I feel like you have uh, some feels about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay. Let me remind you, but before we begin, I I took a pa- I took a flyer on Skinamarink. <laughs> I I said no, this movie is not for you. This is mo- this is not for uh this format. If I'd watched this earlier in the week, I might have um taken I might have made some the same suggestion, but go. One might insulate me from uh products like this in the future. Okay. Um, yes. Everybody's got their breaking point. Yes. For Ben, it was Heaven Can't Wait. <laughs> I think this is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. I think this is a worthless piece of shit of a film, and I can't tell you how much I hated it. It's almost hard for me to put in words, but what I could show you is my only note I made on it is Jason owes me two hours. <laughs> and I don't mean you owe me like off the shelf two hours. I want two hours from your life <laughs> back on mine. I look. I didn't recommend this movie. I suggested this. You're movie. responsible for it. <laughs> I don't know what in the fuck happened after the first half hour of this movie. For the most part, uh-huh. it's completely incoherent. Uh, they hint later on that they might have stumbled on uh, some sort of place where experiments were. Well, spoilers. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> go on, no, go on. So maybe that's what I choose to believe here. Maybe it's just a mass hallucination caused by something that I mean, it's a hallucination. Any way you slice it, what yes. goes on here. It seems um, to, yeah. The, um, it goes on forever. I hope you like bloody feet because man, <laughs> there's more time spent <laughs> shooting bloody feet on this thing than I've ever seen. <laughs> the only thing I know happened for sure is some guy cut his own dick off. Yes. Yes. That besides that, for sure. Besides that, I, I don't know anything. Yes. I think this movie started out okay. I think kind of show, kind of playing this like 
uh, horrible sounding 911 call. Yeah. And then uh-huh. kind of like setting up this is as evidence. Yeah. Although the first half, I don't know why it's evidence because it's just footage on the right camera. it's just the it's card very, one and, it's card very one and two or yeah exactly this movie should begin with card three the, <laughs> the, the third of the, in the series of uh, uh the found footage right this movie sp- spends way too much time doing nothing with just uh trying to get us to know these characters um does a poor job of it we spend a lot of time with these characters i don't feel like i really know them um at all and i don't really care about them that much i don't really understand where they're supposed to be or where they're supposed to be going you know years ago i I spent a lot of time kind of sticking up for the blair witch project yeah uh and (laughs) its legacy has been troubling at least that's a narrative (laughs) yes you know this is barely a narrative and what i think bothered me the most about it is the repetition and sort of like okay so these people are, are out there and they're having this experience but it goes on and on, and now it's daytime again, or maybe that's just part of the hallucination. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, then it's nighttime again. So like, this is going on over days. Yeah, it's going on over days. You can't bleed out forever. I mean, if the blood's coming right. from somewhere, yeah. yeah. You know, they're not. They're getting dehydrated. And why is? <laughs> what's with the guy's compelling? Why? What's compelling him to keep filming? Well, th- I mean, this is th- this movie runs into the central problem with the whole found footage format is who's filming this how are you filming the why would you be filming the back of your head to show us that you have a head wound right right and uh, who did the sound editing on this because there are clearly (laughs) parts where there's music overlaid on the soundtrack and it's not not non-diagetic music right so yeah so you you got to suspend some disbelief yes you spend some disbelief i think so the writer director and star of this movie uh robbie banfitch um i think uh, he's a talented director, and he's a talented I think he cinematographer. <laughs> the scene there's a, there's a shot in this movie of uh, the woman uh, being chased across the desert and up and it's upside down. Right. That right, right. that that shot is f- fucking fantastic. No, there are some cool. As far as I'm concerned, the whole movie should be upside down. But uh, there but are there, a few cool when shots yes, what he needs to do is he needs now that he's made this movie and for fifteen thousand dollars and gotten some attention. He needs to get a budget and put away the found footage bullshit because he doesn't have any feel for telling a story in that format. There's a certain with, with movies like Cloverfield and Blair Witch Project, there's a certain flair in those movies where they lean into the the ways in which lean into the limitations of the format. Right. Well, this the, the characters this whole movie a- seems like we're we're watching it through a, through a, a a hole poked in a piece of paper. Right. right? Um, uh, the, you know, the Blair Witch has a clear, it, it, put, it puts the idea of what exactly the characters are trying to do, at least. Yeah. In your head. They're on a journey. Right. Uh, looking for answers for something very kind of specific. Right. Here, they're just out in the desert, sort of, you know, the characters are very, not they're non-defined. Yeah, they're undefined. Exactly. They're un- even though we spend forever watching yeah. them, you know. Get drunk and and you know go talk to their mom and yeah you know, the, cry you know, about the one, their dad. They're, they're, and... Obviously, I gathered that the two one two characters are two characters are brothers. Yes, and one of them is sort of the you know the lost brother who's sort of quiet and right. maybe the black sheep of the family or whatever. Right, I, you, know, you gather a few things, but they're not important in the long run. Right, and they um, don't they don't create any. They didn't create on my part an incredible I, amount of sympathy. I think if you're gonna do something like this, I think you got to have a what exact? I think you've got to define what what you're up against. 
Right. Uh, and this is something and the that simpler the, the better. Yeah. We all know like like with the the, the paranormal activity movies we mm. all know what could might happen. Yeah. It, it, they're not going to show you anything that we can't figure out might happen. In fact, they're mm-hmm. going to really show us nothing. Right. They're going to show us <laughs> doors closing. <laughs> right. And for right, some exactly. reason, that works better than showing us a sock full of guts slithering on the ground to me. Right. Yes. There are, there are shrieking eels in this movie for- uh, I guess they for are. For reasons. Right. <laughs> or no reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if there are Everything. reasons they didn't, they, it, it, I don't. I don't know what they are. But friend of the show, Jen, uh, uh, had a uh, t-shirt t- uh, that said, uh, "Everything happens for no reason," right? <laughs> and uh, that's a good description of this movie. It's like everything happens in this, especially the ba- the second half of this movie, and why it's happening. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, and there are a lot of horror movies where you're left wondering, well, why is this happening? Um, the, with this movie, you're sort of wondering what is happening, right? Yes, uh, and, and, and after <laughs> a while, that, I don't. You just can't fucking see it, right? And it's yeah, and it's like a flashlight with the narrowest beam on Earth showing you something thirty feet away that yeah. you know, right? Yes, uh, I, I just, I think it needs this movie needs if you're gonna do this and have it be that wild of an experience, yeah. you need to give it like room to breathe. Like, yeah. have the morning happen, and have a, the characters that are left try to make sense of it all, and you learn, right. yes. you empathize some, with their situation a little bit more. Some exposition. Yes. Yes. Would have helped. And and I feel, this is where I feel uh, the writer-director here um, that just doesn't have a feel for telling a story this way. Um, he just doesn't have a feel for, for creating a narrative. You know what? I don't... Um, <sighs> You're, I, I, I conceded with you that there are some. Yeah. Maybe he just fell ass backwards into those two. <laughs> I mean, obviously, uh, yeah. obviously, there's no idea being turned away here. <laughs> there's no idea. I, uh, so I, I hated this movie the first when I watched it last weekend. Um, uh-huh. Actually, I should have. Uh, maybe I should have warned you. If I would have been thinking harder, I, I might have called called off on this one. Um, well, we were desperate. Le- yeah, we were desperate, right? Um, this by the, not to, not to to harp on it, right? But this is uh, a way more accessible movie than Skin of Marink. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not as good, I'd say. Uh, uh, but, I, I, uh, I think, though. I mean, I know I haven't seen Skin of Marink, and I know yeah. I just know what I've been told. Yeah, I think even though. Very little happens at yeah. all. And yes. I, I think I would like that more. Well, with something I was, I was uh, Beth and I were talking about is that with Skinnerink, I felt like I was in the hands of somebody who uh, knew exactly what effect his movie was having on me at every moment, right? Fair and enough. when I was bored and when I was frustrated, he knew exactly how bored and frustrated I was. And even though that's not a pleasant experience, and certainly not to everybody's you know, right. tries anybody's patience, right? I I felt like it was very carefully modulated, right? Uh, this I feel like uh, uh, Banfitch doesn't uh, have a good hold, good grasp on just what how frustrating an experience this movie is for somebody who's not him to try to make sense of. It's an intentionally mysterious and esoteric uh, uh, plot to begin with. And then to watch the whole thing lit with a pen light is a, a very, a, a very frustrating experience. And then to revisit in, in ways that don't, then, that, then to that revisit certain beats inept. too, you know, yeah. like you've got this 
image where there's uh, the silhouette against the fading sun of a man with an axe. You can you can make him completely out. Yeah. And you know you don't know what that means, but you know yeah. it's not a great thing. Yeah. But then we do go back to that later. Uh-huh. Um, and you assume maybe it's the brother now, but uh, you don't know for sure, obviously. Yeah. <sighs> um, the donkeys. The donkeys come in and out. The donkeys are pissed off. We're not really sure why, but well, they're being they're 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 caught in some sort of they're like, in their territory time loop. I guess. Do we think? I I uh, assume that it was like residual gas or something they tapped into. They, you know, they're they're putting they're in, they were in that hole. Uh huh. And remember, they were putting the microphone down that hole, and and you right. know, there was that. There's a sign they come across. Spoiler alert! Yeah, who, right. Who cares? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't see this movie. It says <laughs> this movie. If you can hear my voice, this movie is. It's not hard to make out what it says, but there's something about testing area. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, gov- the gov- It was the government all. And then they show a, a right beside it a, a gas mask. So, uh-huh. so I assumed it meant to be you know the desert. That's where the government had done some testing, or uh-huh. at least that's a theory you can right, plant yeah, some right. seeds on. Right. Um, and maybe that they were into something uh, biological that the, the the army used to test. Yeah, the, and uh, it, it's effective, whatever it is. But uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know how you'd weaponize it necessarily. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind that there's some key to this narrative uh, in Banfitch's head um, that explains everything. That he has a bigger picture. He has something that, you know, that locks into place. And he's, you know, I don't mind movies being confusing or intentionally mysterious as long as I'm sure how confused I'm supposed to be. Right? I gotta have more than this at the end. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, I guess I don't mind... I don't mind the ride being this crazy so much as long as it the focus is a little more at the end. And I don't necessarily... I, it's, to me, it's like you can't have both. Yeah. You can't have the bananas just everything crazy happening that doesn't make sense and then not explain anything yeah to me if you have both then it doesn't make and that, that, that was particularly i i mean my my only my only my deepest complaint about this movie is just you just can't see it there's well, just that's, so yeah, that, that's yeah, really that, like there were there are times in watching this movie where I wondered if I accidentally turned my TV screen off, right? I mean, so much of this movie is just darkness and people's, right? You know, noises. And then, you know, and, and then and there's thunder and people screaming. And then there's dead pixels in the camera, right? There's a couple dead pixels. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. There's like, uh, you know, especially early on in the movie, you notice it before. Okay. But there's like several dead pixels, and I'm like, oh, is that my TV? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I I really hated this. Um, yeah. it would be cruel and unusual pun- punishment to show this to terrorists. I, <laughs> it's it's it's. Uh, uh yeah. Uh, with that ringing endorsement, if if uh, our our listeners are still curious about this movie and they want to check this movie out, um, I I highly recommend, as I said, turning on the closed caption. It totally transforms the experience. For one thing, it it and improves it. Um, in the beginning, at the there, it begins with the nine one one call, right? And all we can hear is you know her screaming, but it, and he's saying something. Does it dictate what's going yeah, on? Yeah, and it, tell, it tells you, you know, she's he's screaming. He's telling her it's okay, it's okay. This has happened before. This has happened before. It's happened before, and it's really creepy when you know what he's saying, mm-hmm. right? Because like, what are we talking about, right? And after watching the movie, in retrospect, it's also creepy because I also don't know what that means, right? But also, there is a, a an encounter late in this movie with a very large monster, 
perhaps a dinosaur. I didn't even realize that was a thing the first time I saw this movie. Oh, I, I, I saw because some I sort was of like, beast. I was I, I didn't even like put together that that was all part of a monster, right? Oh, well, I mean, I can understand that. Yeah, completely. right. And then I saw the the closed captioning says, you know, monster roars, and I'm like, you, oh, it's like a fucking dragon or something. It right? would be a great experiment to take like a five minute <laughs> excerpt excerpt of this film. Mm-hmm. And give it to like ten people and say, "What did you just see in this?" <laughs> and I bet you would just see the completely different things. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I don't. You know, I, I have a, a lot of tolerance for uh, artsy fartsy, low budget shit like this. This is a miss, though. Um, I, I'm impressed with the visual style and in, in some of it, but um, somebody with enough talent to have that that kind of visual style should realize that this project needs. Um, I mean, um, he could show off a little more of his talents if he just stabilize, you know, stabilize the camera a little bit, you know, yeah, or find a light source. I, I think there there's a budget so low that trying to uh, to television this intense and yeah. it, it just it can't be done. Right. I mean, it, it's almost like I, I mean, uh, fil- filming has be sort of become so cheap at for, uh-huh. that it, now it's become. Almost a contest to see who can make a cheaper movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> and like this movie, even even a very low budget movie like this doesn't need to be this crappy looking, right? You know? Right. Not um, anymore. I mean, the, the uh, equipment is just right. Not even a. I'm intrigued here by the by the sort of the mythology of it. I'm I'm sort of intrigued by the 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 uh, the bigger picture. Like the title of the movie is The Outwaters, right? Um, it takes place in the desert. That means something. They did right? swim at one point. Yes. Uh, they're in this dry lake bed that apparently is not always dry um, mm-hmm. when you're hallucinating or caught sucked through a time vortex or something like that, right? That's interesting. Um, there's interesting stuff here. I um, wish I could see it. <laughs> so um, On that, we agree. Yes. Um I just feel like uh, both internally and externally, I've done so much apologizing for Skinamarink the past few weeks that um, that I feel like uh, I, I, I can't be too hard on this movie. <laughs> I just can't do it. I mean, I, I really just, just, just hate it. I mean, <laughs> when did you watch this? Today? Last night. Oh, last night? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Not even that late either. I watched it at a normal time. Yeah. And I was just. You were the one. I, you know, I said last week, I was like, it's a found footage movie. And you're like, actually, I like found I footage. I tend to movies. like them. I, t- I tend to tend to. I just. <laughs> this one I didn't. This yeah. is my Heaven Can Wait. Um, heaven, right. All right, enough said. Enough said. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Cinema Spin. And we're back for more Cinema Spin. Our randomly selected film for this week is 1999's Rich Kids with Too Much Time on Their Hands. <laughs> no, no. The actual title of the film is Cruel Intentions, but it should really be called that feeling when you accidentally throw up in your mouth a little bit. <laughs> That's what I would call it. <laughs> Cruel there had to be a word for that. <laughs> Cruel Intentions was directed by Roger Cumble, 
Cumble. Who has made a career out of adapting novels into crap like this? <laughs> the f- really? The film, yeah, Sarah's watched some of them. <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, the film is set in the late 90s New York City, the ultimate playground for rich folks and their spoiled children. Stepbrother and sister Catherine and Sebastian are played by Sarah Michelle Geller and Ryan Felipe. Catherine has a plan to get revenge on her ex-boyfriend by having Sebastian, a Hall of Fame womanizer, because the movie says so, try and sleep with the ex's new girlfriend, Cecile, played by Selma Blair. Sebastian does not have any time for this because he's already set his sights on seducing Annette, played by Reese Witherspoon, who is the daughter of the incoming headmaster of the school they all go to. This is made tougher by the fact that Annette has already come out as a staunch believer in waiting for love before having sex. All of this culminates in a rather icky wager between two step-siblings. If Sebastian is unable to bed Annette, he must surrender his prized vintage Jaguar to Catherine. If he is able to seduce the girl, then Sebastian will get what he really wants, a chance to sleep with his stepsister. Yuck, indeed. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Cruel Intentions, Jason? Uh, well, you know, uh, right from the title card, uh, I knew this going in, this is uh, not based on or inspired by Dangerous Liaisons. It is suggested by I don't even know what that means. <laughs> right? Well, it is sort of strange... Um, that you would be that uh, you would be be that bland about it because uh, Dangerous Liaisons is in the public domain, right? Also, this movie is more than suggested by Dangerous Liaisons. It's it's. It, I mean, I haven't read the novel, but I've seen both of the the previous uh, 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 movies based on that, okay. right? And um, it's uh, beat for beat. In fact, to a fault because so much of the. Uh, you know, uh, 18th century melodrama machinations of this plot involving love letters and, and shit. Right, right, right. Feels like, I mean, you know, I, I know kids these days don't know the difference between 1999, you know, and 1799, right? But <laughs> all uh, the same. They, right, they're like, <laughs> they're like, sure, I'm I'm sure back when people were using flip, when the rich kids have flip phones, they were probably also writing love letters longhand, right? So I was with this movie at first, because... Um, uh, off the bat, it has a it has a very uh, f- flamboyant silliness to it, right? I mean, like Sarah it's Michelle Gellar's wardrobe campy. is you know uh, a, a lot a lot from uh, the Cruella de Vil selection, right? right? You know, it's over the at top. one point she's you know casually having uh, a picnic in in uh, in uh, Central Park with her uh, with, with Selma Blair, the Selma Blair character, and she has on this. She's dressed in this uh, black cocktail dress, and she got on this like giant black hat, right? And it's like, you know, so it's like moments like that. I enjoyed it's a Selma, villain costume. Selma, Selma Blair is, I think, wonderful in this movie. Yeah, she was the. Um, she reminded me a lot of uh, Brittany Murphy in Clueless. She's just I see sort what you're saying there. Perfectly cast and and perfectly captured that energy and. Um, and brings uh, humor to this material that it could use. It's got a very dark sense of humor from, you know, the original material, but uh, maybe a little lighter humor um, uh, uh, could have helped. Um, What is there from Selma Blair is it works really well. Um, So, uh, of course, I watched this in the shadow of, of, <laughs> yeah, right. You you would just watch Dangerous Liaisons with Glenn Close. No, I mean I, I just watched The Outwaters. <laughs> oh, so, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> any movie that <laughs> morale was at an all time low. <laughs> I would think that any movie after watching Out with The Outwaters would be like uh, this is the greatest movie. Oh, of all this time. is loads better. I mean, 
Um, I think I know what happened in the whole thing. <laughs> right. I, th- I mean, I think this movie spent more uh, money on uh, sunglasses than, <laughs> than they spent on the entire budget for uh, the Outwaters, right? Uh, so, uh, as good as Salma Blair's casting is, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, is not a great actress. She was red hot here at this time, uh, uh thanks to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, right. you're asking her to do something here that she's not great at, I think. Yes. Is be act. sort of the, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've, I've really not seen her in that yeah. much. Mm-hmm. I was not a Buffy person. Yeah. Um, but I think her, her wicked witch here is, is not very good. Uh right. This char- this is a tough character too. Uh if you've seen did did you seriously see either of the other No, movies? no, okay, no. Right. So you're not okay. This character is tough uh to update because this is a character who is um uh overtly sexual uh but still very, very reputation conscious mm-hmm. um in a way that doesn't make sense in the 21st century, let alone, or the 20th century, or the 21st century, you, it did in the 1700s. It, it doesn't really anymore. So you have to kind of find. Also, she's this character is um, is aging, right? She's a beauty who's aging, oh, okay. and she's losing her spark. So it really it makes less sense to have this be at high school. Um, also, the class politics here um, are like out of a either out of you know, uh, 17th century Europe or a John Hughes movie, right? From the 80s. Okay. Right? They're so, they're so like class conscious and they're so worried about what they're going to, what it's going to do to people's reputations and so on. And it's, yeah, it doesn't make, uh, this material, this material just doesn't, well, your up- reputation doesn't update well. Your reputation in this movie is, is what you've constructed it to be, right? It's, 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 well, I mean like he's, he thinks he's going to be the king of the school if he seduces, you know, uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon's character, right? <laughs> Etc. Right. It's it, it's stuff like I mean, yeah. like that's really in 1999. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, and also, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an important part of, and, and this is something that comes through. If this is sort of neither here nor there, but uh, back in the early, back in the late 80s, there were uh, two versions of Dangerous Liaisons made: Dangerous Liaisons and Velmont, right? Dangerous Liaisons was a better known, and it's John Malkovich and and Glenn Close. And that material makes more sense because both of them are, you know, she is uh, a striking but not conventionally beautiful woman. She's getting older, you know, she's well into her 30s at that age, right? You know, at at that era, right? And he is not a conventionally attractive man at all, right? You have the other version, the Milo Shorman's Valmont, um, has uh, Annette Benning and Colin Firth as he, as these characters and having young attractive people I knew back then that this material doesn't make as much sense if they're both young attractive people with all of their whole lives ahead of them right. this worried about their their uh, tenuous social status and so on right um and this makes then even this is making it even more absurd and it, it, it could have worked if it would have leaned in more to that absurdity. And I thought that it, when it started out, I thought that's what it was going to do. Um, but instead it just gets sort of it takes us, it ends up taking itself way too seriously. Um, yeah. And things don't happen in believable ways. That's, you know, I mean, yeah. Felipe's or Sebastian's turnabout here. I just, you know, he's, it comes so suddenly. Yeah. It, well, right. Right. Um, he's, um, it doesn't feel earned by the movie. 
And now, did any movie in 1999 really earn its plot devices? Maybe not. It's not, no. it's not the, it's not the uh, hotbed of great film. Well, I mean, one problem is that um, there's there's just no chemistry between Felipe and Witherspoon in this movie. I, I, there's, not, there's no chemistry with him and anybody in this movie, really. Right. But at least Sarah Michelle Gellar is selling... Uh, her role as a seductress right, right? Yeah. As, as a you know as you know um so uh so those scenes ha- have some some energy but um uh ryan felipe and reese witherspoon fell in love during the filming of this movie <laughs> none of that made it to the screen yeah. that was all kept in their trailers right because <laughs> by the time they get on screen and there's just nothing uh you know he he has a yes he has a turn here that doesn't make a lot of sense in, in part because She's not a particularly interesting character, right? And there's right. no there's no natural chemistry between them. If there had been some electricity between them, then you can see, okay, well, that's uh, yeah. You could see why he's getting more out of it. this than he ever does out of his tr- the rest of his trysts. So yeah, right. It changes him, but this it doesn't feel that he's, way. He's he's t- too twerpy and uh, sort of frat, bo- you know, frat uh-huh. boyish um, to take. I mean, and I understand that's that's the angle on this character that they're that they're taking, right? Um, but that doesn't make him seem like the sexual menace that the character I think um, needs to be for right. this for this role. I mean, him being sort of a casual misogynist uh, 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 lady killer, you know, um, is you know when he's eighteen is yeah a it's... lot less gross or disturbing than a man in his thirties who's still you know trying to bed down virgins just uh, uh, j- just to ruin them. For, yeah, for because the next man right. I mean, anybody who who's ever been in a locker room for ten minutes with a bunch of eighteen-year-olds, uh, half of them are, f- <laughs> yeah, just horrible excuses for human beings <laughs> that hopefully most people age out of. But <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, if you, you put a dumb idea counter in a, in in a, you know a bunch of boys talking amongst themselves, and it's just gross at that yeah. age. Yeah, but you're right, and and this brings us around to the sort of central. Uh, lack of stakes here that okay what if they do have sex right (laughs) what if what if all of the people in this movie did just have sex with 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 each other when they wanted to right (laughs) is that going to scandalize new york city (laughs) that there's young people having sex i think in prep schools right (laughs) um yeah i didn't understand his his book really it seems he's supposed to have all these conquests, but it seems to only be three pages long. <laughs> he writes really small. We only see the same entry. We see the same couple entries. You well, know. yeah, and there's a lot of pictures drawn yeah. of everybody, right? And then, like, um, you know, we're, we're to take it that that ruined, uh, ruins his stepsister's reputation, too. But um, all he does is, like, draw n- ugly pictures of her and say... She's the worst, right? And it's like, oh, well, again, like uh, we all know that's all it would take in New York City, uh, New York City prep school in 1999 to just <laughs> destroy the lives of everybody involved, right? You know, now with social media, <laughs> that can probably really happen. Uh, somebody's yeah. reputation can turn on a dime, maybe. Sure, right. But, I mean, there you go. Um, but back then, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Spoiler alert, Ryan Felipe's character croaks off at the end of this. Um, I, I'm not so sure he did. He, I don't think that the uh, – if you're hit by a taxi and uh, you're able to you know, talk a little bit afterward, uh-huh. I don't 
know if you're gonna die. <laughs> I was kind of surprised. You know, he 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 came uh-huh. out. Huh? So maybe he went into hiding. Well, what I thought is, is he staging his death here, and then she's gonna he's gonna be in the car with her at the end. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And no. <laughs> but now wait a second. Why in the world would she get his car at the end? That's true. She can't just take his. She car. can't just. She's just. She's nothing to him. She's just. The girl he maybe you know, maybe he he's she's going right? to him and uh, he's she's bringing the book back because exactly books, the books in the passenger seat. Yes, there you go. If anything, you would think that uh, you know Sarah Michelle Geller might actually have a real legal claim on that car, <laughs> but, <laughs> if not a, if not a moral one, right? or at least the the, the parents, right? Yeah, um, right, right. Yes, makes more sense because uh, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I think uh, I think the only reason to show her riding away in the car is to uh, disabuse us of the idea that Sarah Michelle Geller would end up with the car, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because otherwise you would wonder. You would be like, "Now wait a second. He nobly sacrifices himself, and that bitch just gets to. She probably just gets his car now." <laughs> right? So they were like, "No, no, uh, we need a happy ending." Yeah. Right. Um, Maybe we didn't see it, but right before the taxi hit him, he signed the title over. <laughs> there you go. Right. There you go. I gotta say it's something. Like, <laughs> she can't get the car. You can't let her have the car. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, this movie was um, uh, the best movie we covered on the podcast this week. <laughs> I think you're right. Back to the car, real quick, though. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> If he if if it if it said that that it was true love, uh, and he and he left her the car, what a shitty car to leave your true love because that's a piece of shit. It's never going to run. You're gonna have to work on it constantly. It's beautiful, <laughs> but it is never going to run. It's like a '62 Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. What do they say? <laughs> it's a leaky fucking piece of shit. Is what it is. <laughs> they're beautiful, and when they work, they're awesome. But they right. don't work very often. And when they break down, you gotta you know send to send to Italy. For, I once uh, asked a mechanic. I said on a, on, a, on a car very similar to that. I said, "Oh, it's cool how the how the hood opens." He's like, "Yeah, the hood opens like that because you're in it every day. <laughs> you work on it every day." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So, uh, so yeah, you're I, coming I, out uh, against Jaguar. Well, yes, right. but uh, she. I don't think it's a great thing to leave somebody. Maybe yeah, uh, right. sa- maybe that's right. how they should have ended it. <laughs> right. Sarah and Michelle Geller in the car, but it's broken down on the side <laughs> exactly. of the road. And she's mad. Right. Right. <laughs> the the uh, yes, the carburetor is broken out, broken down. It's going to cost her, you know, fifty grand to get a new one. Right. Oh, no, it's, no. It's even in uh, Mad Men how undependable they are. That's right. That's the. Uh, oh right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this was definitely uh, the better of the two films. In my opinion. Yes. Uh, my opinion, too. As far as next week's show, I guess we'll have one. <laughs> as long Yay! As, as long as you have your two hours in by Thursday night. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. We're going to wait to select what a new movie might be, but there'll be some content. There'll be some in its place. content to talk about, um, and we will pair that, as always, with a movie from the past. That we're going to pick right now. What are we going to get? Burt Reynolds stars in 1973's White Lightning. White Lightning. As always, thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate it. Please join us again next week for a brand new show, as I always say. And bye for now. Bye. Bye.